0: Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the Keeping It 100 radio segment, Empowered Voices. I'm Valeria Garcia, certified health coach, type 1 diabetic, women's wellness coach and mentor, inside needles and spoons, and alumni of our signature program, Keeping It 100. Inside this segment, I hold space and interview individuals, leaders, and supporters from the T1D community to share their story, journey, experiences, and wisdom to empower, inspire, and share their light. To find these conversations live, join us inside the T1D Judgment-Free Zone Facebook group. Hey everyone, welcome to Val always (laughs) messing up on the recording. So today on Empowered Voices, inside our Facebook group, we have Haley Cavender joining us, and we're so excited to hear your story, learn about your journey, and have you share in our space. So introduce yourself, let us know who you are, where you're at, what you do,
1: yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Haley. Um, sure, probably biggest thing with type one diabetic. Um, been diabetic for 21 years. Um, I was diagnosed when I was eight years old, so pretty early on in the process. Um I let's see, I guess like the biggest things I'm passionate about. I'm really into health and wellness. Um, I love cooking, baking, um, anything, you know, outdoors, anything creative. Um, I'm just kind of like very go, go, go. I like doing new things, um, really into like self-discipline, just, you know, challenging myself, stuff like that. Um, and I'd say, you know, in my journey, as far as, you know, my diabetes goes, I'm probably the most confident that I've ever been. Um, and you know, it's very empowering and I feel like it takes a lot of like work and self-care, um, and just development all around. Um, but yeah, I feel much more confident than I used to, you know, over yeah. the years. So, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And where do you live again? Uh, in Massachusetts, In Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I always see Haley's posts of all these like delicious, like baked foods mm-hmm. and breakfasts and all the outdoors. I'm like, I want to come hang out with you. <laughs> yeah no the outdoors looks so beautiful too like swimming in the river hanging out in the trees definitely yeah it's a nice (laughs) area up
1: here for sure
0: yeah yeah so today with Haley we're going to be talking about what it's like to be diagnosed early on have that early onset of diagnosis and then also her experiences with being challenged by an eating disorder and how she's overcome that. So this is super important in our relationships with food, definitely evolved with the journey of diabetes. So I'm so interested to know and learn more about how that was for you. So yeah, just right off the bat, tell us about what it was like getting diagnosed at age eight. So young.
1: Yeah. Um, so luckily my um, mom was actually, or she's actually a nurse. So she was kind of aware of those like symptoms that would come on, you know, prior to getting diagnosed, um, and I actually thought that I had been diabetic years before I was actually diagnosed. Um, I was always a very like kind of needy, like baby. I, nobody could ever satisfy me. I was always hungry. I was always like peeing, going to the bathroom. I would not settle. Um, just a lot of like, I was very uncomfortable and nobody could figure out why. Um, and they, I was initially diagnosed actually, um, my, I had like, you know, when you, you gotta go, you gotta go right. And you're younger. Um, and you kind of don't care what's happening. Um, so my dad went into the bathroom and there was, um, I guess a little bit of urine on the floor and it was really sticky. His foot stuck to it. And obviously there's like, if your blood sugar is high. There's a lot of sugar in the urine. It crystallizes things like that. So my dad went into my like parents' room and told my mom like, Hey, like there's something sticky on the floor. And my mom was like, get up. <laughs> and, Rushed me to the hospital. My blood sugar was like five hundred something. Um, so I was like in a ketoacidosis state. Um, I'd been very sick, like prior um, to getting diagnosed, so they think maybe that was the trigger was I had like a virus of some kind, and it like my body was just like all done. Um, but so funny thing is I don't remember any of that. My parents are the ones that are, told me this story, and I only remember, specifically like one moment when I was like diagnosed, I was sitting on the edge of like the hospital bed. And I remember the doctor coming in and being like, you have diabetes and here's this and this and this and this, and all these things you need to do. And my parents were bawling. And I remember my parents told me, they're just like, you were totally fine with it. You were just like, cool. All right.
0: (laughs) You know, you're
1: like, ooh, look at all this fun stuff I get to go home with. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting when you're diagnosed so young because, you know, obviously you don't know what diabetes is. You don't know it comes with this like lifelong diagnosis. All these things you have to do. It's just like, all right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um,
0: I feel like so, it's kind of passed to us that way too, right? They're like, "Yeah, your little kid, like have a nice one." Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, really tell right. you yeah. like, hey, it's going to be like you know you're going to have to navigate relationships with food you're going to have to navigate relationships mental health like there's just so much that mm-hmm. goes into it and it's definitely not talked about especially in like those first couple of days i think it's very like oh. here's your kit and uh we'll see you in 6 months
1: <laughs> yeah no it's it's wild and i know the first um the first like couple years um i was totally like you know fine with it like i said i did everything I was told. Um, I think the one thing um, my mom did mention to me that I had a hard time with was, you know, navigating those boundaries around food because, you know, I used to be able to eat anything I wanted. I wanted a snack, I would get a snack. And now it was, um, it was just very regimented. I had to eat just those three times a day. And, you know, back in the day, I feel like it was a little bit more strict or that things weren't as fluid. People kind of didn't navigate or like weren't as relaxed, if that makes sense. Like, you know, or you're going to have a snack and give yourself a shot. It was like, you're going to have this meal and it's going to be 50 carbs every single day. And then this one's going to be whatever. Mm -hmm. So it just completely shifted. Yeah. Yeah. And what was
0: that like? You know, I don't know if you remember like being in school, like how did that feel? Like what was the like protocol at school? Did you have to see the nurse? Like, did your parents Mm -hmm. come to the school? Like, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that, you know, was also something that was a little bit isolating or difficult because, you know, we'd be having, for example, a snack in the classroom or a movie, a movie time, right? And there's like candy and popcorn or whatever. And, you know, me, I would have to get up from, you know, the party or the movie or whatever, I'd have to go to the nurse's office, check my blood sugar, like get a shot if, if I could even do that and then like come back by that time, things were already kind of done, you know? And I tried to, I was very ashamed of being diabetic for, I don't know, probably like 15 years of the 21 years I've been diagnosed. So I never really told anybody. Um, and I didn't have a lot of, I was, I was very bullied like a lot growing up. So then when I was diagnosed, that was kind of like ammunition for them to bully me more. Which was like, that makes me so sad. (laughs) Kids can be brutal.
0: (laughs) Kids can be brutal. They really are. It could be like a harsh environment. And, you know, that just adds a new layer that you had to, yeah, like face. I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, I always like love hearing different people's like diagnosis stories and what they experience because it really is such an individualized like diagnosis because of all those different areas and different layers and yeah time you're diagnosed like what your life was like at that time to like what it is now and like just we evolve as humans you know but especially in diabetes I feel like I it's such a present diagnosis because you're seeing numbers all the time you're feeling certain things all the time so I feel like I really have seen like just how we evolve like even like day to day with like the mindset and everything and that's huge like just having to overcome that battle in itself with like the kids at school yeah that is so tough so you would just like most of the time just kind of like hide or go to the nurse's office like in secret kind of thing
1: yeah I would pretty much just like I didn't like to tell anybody about it um I I know, you know, when I got older, too, I would wear like specific clothing that was like very big or baggy, or I would just like, I don't know, I'd hide it any way possible. I would eat in the bathroom, literally, so I could like give myself insulin so people couldn't see me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like so much shame with diabetes. And, you know, now I'm thinking about it. And it's like, wow, you know, like I could have, but you don't know that.
0: You no, know, you don't know that, and you're so yeah. young. You were so young, having to deal with like a grown-up situation. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah, that's what's hard too. Like getting diagnosed so young is, you have all of this responsibility that a a child should not have. You know, you have to do all these medical things and make these like life-altering decisions. You know, and if you don't do something, like you could go to the hospital. So that's like a lot to carry as like oh, a yeah. person.
0: And I think too, like there's just so much fear in those like first years. Like a lot of decisions are around like this like fear um, from either like parents or at school or yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like all decisions are really like flowing alongside that fear. And it's yeah, it is heavy. It's heavy to carry. And yeah, the weight, I guess, just shifts over time. But it's, you know, it's not an easy challenge. Wow. Okay. And so you were eight years old and then when did you feel like things kind of started to change or actually I was going to ask you, how is the responsibility piece actually at that young age? Like, when do you feel like more of that responsibility was on you? Like your parents kind of were like, all right, this is like yours now go for it. You've learned so much. Like, how was that
1: shift? Um, I would say, you know, that honeymoon period when I was diabetic and like I think the first year it was mostly in my parents' care because I did have a seizure during that honeymoon period. Um, and what, what had happened was my parents had given me, you know, the dose of insulin I needed for nighttime and after dinner. And my pancreas decided to work that night. <laughs> and I woke up in the middle of the night and I guess I had a seizure. I don't remember it, but
0: wow, yeah. yeah. How did they know you had a seizure? Did they like walk in and see you
1: like seizing? So what happened, um, actually I went into the hallway to go, um, check my blood sugar. The meter was like always on the kitchen table. Um, so I was going down the hallway and my mom, interestingly enough, like she just had gotten up. Right. And she sees me in there in the dark, like checking my blood sugar. And she's like, Haley, are you okay? Are you okay? And then I just fell and had a seizure. So oh like, gosh. I feel very blessed <laughs> that she was awake. It was her time. motherly intuition. She was like, Absolutely. she
0: needs me. Oh my yeah. gosh. Ugh, I got chills. I'm like, that's so scary for your mom too, right? Like that's oh, just yeah. all scary. I know when you like, you probably just like blacked out. So you don't remember, but that yeah. is, that is so scary. And is yeah. that the only time that's happened
1: to you? That was the only time. And, um, I know as far as, um, I'll go into that in a second, as far as when it shifted, because Forgot to answer that when it shifted to my responsibility. I think I was probably like 10. That was when I got um my insulin pump. So at that point, I was like 100% on my responsibility. I did it all. I didn't want my parents' help at all. Like I would not let them help me. Wow. Um, and you're in like fifth yeah. grade? Yep. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm doing this. So.
0: Like, isn't it crazy to reflect back and be like, actually, even though like all of that was so heavy and kids were. little shits, (laughs) but like you, but you were so like resilient and like powerful and like you were a badass in fifth grade, like that, you know, (laughs) it's just funny. I think at those times, like kids don't understand that, you know, but looking back, I'm like, wow, that is amazing that you were able to just like stand in your diagnosis and be like, this is mine. And like, I'm in charge now. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's huge in itself. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, like the different outcomes that come after that. But Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. And your parents were like, all right, Haley's got this.
1: Yeah. I've always been a very like organized and determined person. So they knew they're like, all right, you know, she's pretty in control here.
0: Yeah. She's good. She's good to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then when you were 10 years
0: old, like, how did you cope with that responsibility? Like, how did you feel with all of that on you?
1: You know, it's funny. I don't think I really coped. I just did. And I think that built up for so many years. Um, cause I pretty much, you know, I, I checked my blood sugar. I gave myself the insulin. I carb counted. I only ate at certain times. I did this. I did that. I didn't do certain things cause I'd wanted to avoid X, Y, and Z. And I was just so regimented and I just kind of stuffed all the feelings down and I just ignored it all. And I know I, I would say actually when I was like 10 plus, I started to have like very bad panic and anxiety attacks. I would like wake up at night and I couldn't breathe. And I think that was like a manifestation of all of that stress that I was harboring and not, you know, releasing or seeking support. Um, And I think that kind of, you know, that was difficult for me in that manner. Um, And eventually I kind of got very, I think, fatigued with it all. And, just a lot of like more of the shame kind of crept up with the diabetes. And I ended up um, going into like a denial phase where I went from being very in control, like very good with it. I had like a, you know, 5.8 to 6.5 a one C that whole time. And then complete denial. I would not check my blood sugar. I would go for bike rides for five hours without an emergency shot, without a phone, without snacks, anything they got him alive <laughs> um, <laughs> like i made it guys <laughs> yeah and like a1c i think my worst one was like 11 something and wow yeah so that so was like, like is totally. that like when you were in high school was that in high school that was like yeah i would say like middle to the first two years of high school wow so like that whole period i was just like I don't even have diabetes. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> You're
0: like, who are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, so is that when your relationship with food was starting to shift as well? Like at that same time?
1: So I did notice. Um, you know, I think the first shift as far as food goes is when I was first diagnosed. And I think I didn't quite pair it or my parents didn't pick up on it, which they're learning so much themselves. I they did everything they could. Um, but yeah, I know like. That first initial, like, you can't have this, you can't have this, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I felt like I just couldn't, you know, control anything. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And alongside the, you know, bullying, I was told, like, oh, you're so fat. Oh, you're so ugly. Oh, you're so stupid. So eventually I was like, okay, all these people are telling me these things. And like, I can't do all these things. I'm like, what can I control in my life? And it's like, food. And like, I don't get to eat the food I want. So I don't have diabetes and I'm just going to eat whatever the heck I want, <laughs> you know? And it just kind of flip-flopped like that. Um, wow. So I think that was like one of the big, the big things. There was just so many external factors going on. And it was mostly though, like needing to find control, if that makes sense.
0: And oh. like regain my
1: control over food.
0: Oh yeah. That, I mean, that makes so much sense. Like all of your control at such a young age was taken away or just like that freedom to do what you wanted to do. And then on top of that, like all these voices around you aren't building you up, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's totally like that combination. I'm so sorry that happened.
1: It just like makes me really upset. (laughs) Honestly, like it, it's made me upset for a really long time, but I like wouldn't take it back because I feel like it made me more aware and compassionate. And, you know, you learn from all that stuff you go through.
0: Like, look at you now, you took back your power and you're sharing your story. (laughs) And it's, you know, this is just such a great conversation for, you know, other people to have, because this can be happening right to someone's child or someone just got diagnosed and they're literally living this experience right now. So being able to share, you know, where you are now is, is huge. Um, Okay. Yeah. Tell us, tell us more about like this, you know, relationship with food and when did you notice or like, what were your first signs? Like, okay, maybe I'm going in a direction or like a certain path or did someone say something to you? Like, how did, how did you come to, to know, like, okay, I'm having disordered eating. This relationship isn't, you know, working out for me or what's the next step? Like, how'd you get there?
1: Yeah. So it was honestly a very long time. I think I had an eating disorder for like 10 plus years. Um, it started out, um, you know, with like the binge eating kind of thing. Um, and then I was just having all these blood sugar problems and I wasn't really attending to it. I didn't feel good and certain foods I would like eat and they would make me high. And I remember, um, one, I had this, um, endocrinologist that like, it upset me so much for some reason. I had had, um, one of, I think that might've been one of the triggering points. Um, i had had like a bunch of pizza, right. And I I went in for a visit and she's like, why was it so high this day? And I'm like, Oh, I had pizza. She's like, how many slices did you have? And I'm like, I don't know, like five. And she's like, you should only have one as a diabetic. Like, no, and just was instantly just like, Know this, know that. And I was just like, okay. Um, and then she'd also told me I was overweight. And so it was just like at that point, I was like, fine, like you want to see me lose weight and you want to see me stop eating this. So I was just like, then the control went to like that. So then I stopped eating. And I would pretty much only allow myself teeny bits, like if I went low, I would have a little something. And it ended up getting to the point where I couldn't even like smell food without thinking it was going to make me gain weight. Wow! So I ended up, I went to 80 pounds at five, nine. (laughs) Wow! Yeah. Um, And then ended up being forced to eat. Right. Because I had to see like a nutritionist and eating disorder specialist and endocrinologist. And they're all just like, again, all these regimented plans of food that you have to eat. And, you know, again, I just felt so out of control. And as soon as I started eating again, it was a binge thing. And then I was binging and then bulimia. And then I would exercise eight hours throughout the night. And it was just this cycle, right? Went on for 10 years. And then finally, I think I just, my turning point, I think was my breaking point. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I was having diabetic neuropathy um, just at such a young age, like everything hurt. My body felt like it was on fire. That was when I had my highest A1C, which was like 11 something, just sick all the time. And I was just kind of like ready to throw in the towel and just be done with my life. And then I was like, you know what, like, I can't do it anymore. And like something needs to change. And, you know, I don't think everybody has to reach a breaking point like that to make changes. I think I was just so resistant for so long. And I just wasn't ready to make that change that for me, it just had to be like my literal breaking point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I did think I had gotten up to like 250 too. So like 80 to 250. So it was like this huge
0: yeah, like, you know, we're sweet. change. Yeah. And yeah. that initial like outreach to like getting help with like. This eating disorder, was that like you seeked out the support or was it like family members? Because I feel like, again, it's like your control wasn't there, right? Someone else was like, again, telling you to go do things or see certain specialists. And Mm -hmm. was that more so from your parents?
1: Yeah, that was all. I was like literally dragged there and like I was forced to go to therapy and I wouldn't talk to them. It just wasn't. It was it was all me. Like I had to make the decision to want to do it for myself. And, like, as soon as I did that and, like, shifted my thought processes and, like, the way I thought about things, the way I talked to myself and just, like, having the motivation and, like, the why behind it and, like, you know, just actually wanting to improve myself, that was when everything changed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how did you do that? Like, how did your, like, (laughs) inner dialogue change or what was your why to like, keep moving forward, you know, creating this new relationship with your life? Like, how did that, where yeah. did that come from?
1: I think part of it was like, just being so ready to be done with life that I was like, there has to be so much more, you know? So I like dug into that and I was just like, you know, what do I like to do? Like, what do I like about myself? Cause I just had such a bad self-talk you know, I was just like, you're so fat. You're so ugly. Like diabetes ruins your life. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I was just like, okay, what can I do? And I would like painstakingly make myself write these things down. Right. Like it was very hard for me, but I was like, you know, I like to exercise. I like to cook. I like to whatever. And it's like, you know, what things could I do? And like, I think my main goal was just, (laughs) you know, wanting to feel alive again, because I just hadn't felt, you know, like empowered or alive, or just, you know, Mm I just, I wanted to feel happy and I wanted to honor and treat myself the way that I was like, you know, I should have been for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I think with diabetes, it's just, it's so easy for us to slip in like Our diabetes like tells us our self-worth. Like it's so easy to like slip into that mindset, honestly, like anytime, because we're constantly having to have that inner dialogue and those thoughts come through. And you have to be able to, like you said, it's so powerful to know like what does make me feel good, or like what is me outside of diabetes? Like, what do I Mm -hmm. like? Like, what makes me feel grounded? I definitely can like relate to a lot of these feelings that you were experiencing because. I was diagnosed at 23. So I was already like older, right? I had like lived so much life. I had went to college. I had like traveled. I had done all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be diagnosed as an adult, I already had kind of those practices, right? Like I knew my self-worth. I had like some good dialogue with myself. I knew what made me feel good, like what I liked. But then having that thrown at me, I was like, whoa, it's definitely (laughs) like, like okay, let's start at like step one again. And like, how am I going to still be that person? Enjoy those same things um, and have diabetes be like part of that with me. Um, yeah. And I think like the first thing I used to tell myself, cause I love traveling. And when I was diagnosed, I was living in another country and I was working, I was in the peace corps and they were like, you know, because of your diagnosis, you no longer can be in the Peace Corps. Like we have to send you home. Like you need to show stability, you know, like there's just so much that has to happen. There's so much you have to learn. And I always just saw it as like, wow, you know, because I have diabetes, I cannot travel. Like, that's all I heard was like, oh, you can no longer travel now. And that to me was like life shattering. I was like, there's just no way. And I always say like the hardest part for me was really having to leave Costa Rica versus like I was so in denial with the actual diabetes piece for so long. Cause I was just so angry that I couldn't finish my service and I worked so hard to get into the peace Corps And there was just so much there, but I think, yeah, with that shift and everything going on, it's like, I had to tell myself like, no, diabetes is going to be my best travel partner. Like I have to see it as like my travel buddy that's going to go. And I still can do those things. Mm-hmm. And you know, they always say like confidence, you don't have confidence and then you do things. It's like, you have to do things and then you get the confidence, right? It's like, you kind of have to push yourself. That's what I did. I was like, you know what? It's been one year with diabetes. I feel like I know enough, but I'm sure there's a lot more to learn, but I'm just going to go travel for six months and see what happens. Like I just had to do that. And it wasn't easy. I cried outside of a lot of pharmacies. I couldn't find insulin (laughs) everywhere. I couldn't find supplies. I only had a backpack with me. So it was definitely a lot of challenges all in those six months, but I'm so grateful that I did that because I did that. It showed me that like, I can be confident to do things, right? Like I can exactly. go outside. I can travel. I can eat what I want to eat. Like there's just strategy along that. Um, and that's the piece. I think the biggest gap is we can do all the things there doesn't have to be this like, no, 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 or this like restriction, the all or nothing. It's just yeah. learning the strategies that work with who we are. And that piece is, just so missed and overlooked in the beginning, right. especially. Yeah.
1: No, exactly. It's like having that like foundation and then just getting the momentum, like you were saying, to like build the confidence because you know what I mean. You can't just go from zero to a hundred. And I think that's what can be really hard, especially with like eating disordered behavior or like wanting to even lose weight. It's like, you know, you wanna instantly, like, you know, my goal was like lose a hundred pounds and that's a lot, you know, like. And I would just be like, oh, I'm going to lose it in like a week. Like, you know, I just had this, I want an instant gratification, you know? And I think even with diabetes too, it's just like your A1C is high and like you want to get it better. And then, you know, you have a bad day and you're just like, screw it, you know? And it's like making those small, like creating like small sustainable goals that will like get you to where you want to go is so important. But I think also just being... I don't know, very, um, like understanding and compassionate with yourself because if you just beat yourself up every time you have a bad day or like, you know, you, you know, you, you cheat or whatever, you know, like you want to, you wanted to eat good for the day. And then like, you have something you didn't mean to. And it's like, okay, well, why did I eat that? Oh, my blood sugar was low. My body actually needed it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm really low on energy and I had a donut instead and maybe I could have had like a protein smoothie, but I chose that and that's fine. Instead of eating 30 more donuts because I hate myself, I'm going to enjoy the donut and then I'm going to eat healthy and eat foods that sustain my body for the rest of the day. And -hmm. then eventually that just becomes like second nature, you know, And, and it's hard the first time you do it. And you do kind of have to like, I did have to force myself to write things down or I put Sticky notes, places, or you know, whatever you have to do to like kind of recalibrate your wow. thinking, you know, yeah, yeah, uh,
0: I love that. And I love that you had your post it notes, um, and you had your go to's of like, okay, I'm gonna start here, and that's good, and that's you know, enough. And I think you're right, when we have these big goals, it's so easy to like crumble, and like one thing isn't the way you wanted to, but the reality is, like, nothing's like that, right? Like, we always have to you know, push forward. And sometimes we have to do like something small, but that still makes us feel good and be like, okay, with just that and that choice and that decision. But I love that you just got so curious and found different strategies that work for you. I mean, I think that is just powerful in itself. And so as you're going through all of this and now you're kind of finding your grounding practices, things that feel good, you're starting to eat differently in a way that feels empowering Did you have like other type one diabetic friends or were you like in a program where you were able to like talk about what you were experiencing with other people or anything like that?
1: No, actually, I that's one thing I wish that I did have my parents when I was younger were like, oh, you should go to this diabetes camp or this diabetes support group. And I was always like, yeah, (laughs) you know, I was like, I don't have diabetes. I don't want it. I don't care. I don't want to talk to anybody. It was just that. I was very resistant and I kind of wish they like forced me (laughs) to do it, you know, but yeah, I didn't have any of that. I think the most comparable thing was, um, a couple years ago, um, after I had finally like felt very confident in like my food and decision-making and like my A1C was better. I had better like diabetes management, but I still had, um, one of my biggest things was um, I was just so scared of going low. Um, and I think that stems from having a seizure at such a young age. I never really was afraid of it until later on, which is interesting, but I, you know, I would just go into like complete peril. Anytime my blood mm-hmm. sugar would go low to the point where I would not give myself enough insulin ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I just had bought actually one of the little needles and spoons. Um, it was just like, a a worksheet. I can't remember exactly what one it was, but you just kind of, it's similar to what I did with the food where it's like, okay, why do I feel this way? Why am I nervous? Like what steps am I taking? What could I do better next time? And I did that for like a month or so. And I was like, wow, every decision I make is based in fear. And -hmm. then I like went deeper into that. And I'm like, why am I afraid? Like, you know, and I just kind of, worked through it. Um, and anytime I find myself like slipping back into that, I'm like, okay, this is a really good tool for me. I'm gonna start writing down again like why. And same thing like if I, you know, because I don't have that, I don't engage in like the eating disordered like behavior anymore. But there's still times where, you know, I wake up and like I don't feel good about myself or like putting clothes on is hard. And I'm like, okay, why? You know, and it's just that same you know, just really reflecting on all of those avenues. So Wow.
0: That's so powerful. It's so true. It's like, we can go so deep with the why. And that's really, you know, what healing is all about. And like going back to those moments where you had some heavy situations and, you know, your initial go-to was like, we're going to push past this and just keep going. It didn't happen or whatever it is. Right. And now getting to a point to be like, I'm actually curious, like, why am I feeling this? Like, where is this coming from? and yeah dealing with our headspace and being able to really like dive deeper is like a very powerful tool i'm the same as you like i will write down like you know it's kind of like that um ladder down of like okay i woke up today i don't feel good in this clothes why you know it's like cuz this outfit doesn't make me feel good but why yeah. you know right and then you just go deeper like I don't like where my blood sugar's at. Why? Oh, it makes me mad. Why does it make you mad? You know, you just keep exactly. going down and down. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad that you found needles and spoons. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you also. Yeah. how did you start like finding, you know, community or connecting with other diabetics or being open to like have conversations that you have diabetes? Like how did that Start Because that's a big step, I think, in our diagnosis also is like being able to like unveil that and be like, OK, I'm open to if I see a diabetic, I'll say hi or mm-hmm. I'm open to doing something like this. Like that's a huge step.
1: Yeah, no, I think, you know, when I finally developed that like really healthy relationship with food um, and I, you know, where I was trying to kind of control all of my external factors around me. Um, when I kind of was able to let go of that, I was able to let go of a lot of other things, you know, like the shame and the guilt and like all that, like anger. And, you know, I, we all still get really angry. Like, you know, our blood sugar's 300 double arrows up, right. You're going to be mad <laughs> probably yeah, a little bit, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, you know, so I think I was just, I reached a point where I was like, you know, like, this would really benefit me and i put it off for so long and you know i'm just ready to like embrace it and you know i'll tell whoever i'm diabetic i don't care you know and i don't think it's anything to be ashamed of and i think support and just a community is so important cuz like even you know going on to the needles and spoons pages or like you know going on to any sort of like diabetic like page where people people are talking about about what they're going through. it's like, wow, like I'm not alone like other people feel like crap too or like this makes them mad or even the meme pages I love that kind of like make light of certain like diabetic scenarios I always get like I feel better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. yeah, I know there has to be humor in it, right? <laughs> yeah exactly. we have to have that piece. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. and I felt that same way. I think it took me three years into my diagnosis've I've been diagnosed now. it's been six years. But those first three years, I really like struggled and I wanted, I was kind of like you, like, I just wanted to be fully in control. It was my thing. I didn't want anyone to deal with it. I was also an adult. So I was like, I don't need my mom and dad, you know, to like help me. Like I got this. And that's such my personality. I was like, I'll read all the books. I'll listen to the podcast. Like I'll learn everything I can and then I'll be good. I'll be an expert at it and I'll know what's up. (laughs) And then, you know, then it got to a point where I was like, actually, I feel really alone in this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just want a friend. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, I was probably like, "Mm, how old was I at that point? Maybe like 26 or 25. And I was like, you know, I really just want a friend, like someone I could be like, this sucks. Or like, this is hard. Or like, do you ever feel this when you're like going on a date? You know, like, I just, I was like, I need to talk about this with someone. And I didn't know that uh, there was like, this like community out there on the online space. I didn't know there was like diabetic influencers. Like you know, I just didn't yeah. know anything. I didn't know there was programs. I had no one, no doctor. No one ever told me about like anything that existed. So even navigating that was like you know kind of a journey in itself. Like I was like, okay, like how do I just meet someone or how do I you know? And yeah. I just so happened to find needles and spoons also like yeah. right off the bat. And um, yeah, she was talking about our program, keeping it one hundred. And I was like, yeah. I that's everything. I was just reading through it and I was like, yes, that's exactly what I need. I want a community. I wasn't even so focused on the numbers being a certain way, but I definitely also wanted to navigate like my relationship with food because I definitely had a lot of disordered eating. I got really thin. I just it was so much and I needed support so bad. Um, yeah. and It was the best decision I did. You know, I have mm-hmm. been in this community now and I've made so many friends and just being a part of these programs has just been so powerful because everyone's journey is different and we always have something to learn and something to share. And yeah, the journey just keeps going.
1: Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, just having, again, people that can relate to you, I think, cause you know, you can tell your, your parents or your significant other, and you know, they can support you and be understanding, but it's like, they don't fully, you know, understand in a way. And like, that's not their fault you know, but yeah, it just helps to have that like fully relatable, um, kind of companionship, but yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so how would you say your relationship with food is like today? Like, what does that look like? Or your relationship with exercise, um, with your family, with support, like, what is that like today? Snapshot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love like cooking, um, and baking and all that now. Um, Interestingly enough, when I was having, um, I was in culinary school, actually in high school, um, I, I dropped out because I knew I needed to get away from it like at that moment. Um, but I found my way back kind of right. Um, and I was essentially trying to find a way to, um, heal my relationship with food. So I found something I liked doing with it and I tried to switched up a little bit. So, um, I like to make a lot of more, um, kind of like plant-based oriented stuff just because it's a challenge for me. Um, like I like to turn cashews into like cheesecake and like mac and cheese, you know, it's just like a fun science experiment. Um, so I, <laughs> I like, love that. I like that. That. yeah. So, you know, I feel like usually making the food is just as beneficial for me as like eating it at this point And like, it's crazy to think because, you know, back in the day, if I had any sort of sweets in the house, I would just eat them all in one sitting. And now it's like, I buy like 10 chocolate bars cause they're on sale. And like one night i will be like, I could use like a little sliver <laughs> and I like get a little piece and then I'm just like satisfied, you know? Um, and it, you know, it is obviously a lot of like, you know, work and like self introspection to get there, but like, it is absolutely possible, you know, for anyone um, and as far as like the exercise, um, you know, I, again, love exercising, being outside. So I probably do it like, you know, four to five times a week, but I used to be so like hardcore with it. I was like this, 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 this. And now it's like, you know, my body's really tired today. I don't feel good. I'm going to like do yoga, you know, or I'll go for a walk. So it's kind of, I, I meet my body, I guess, where I'm at now. Um. So it's like I eat to feel full or to feel like satisfied in a way and it's not to fill a void and I don't exercise to like, you know, not be ugly or fat anymore. I exercise because it makes me feel good. And I do exercises that, you know, kind of help my body in whatever position it's in. So
0: that's so beautiful. <laughs> I think it's just like so wonderful, like hearing, you know, this journey that you've had and. Going from one mindset, one way of living and feeling like that was the only way to now like opening up to really seeing like how beautiful you can enjoy just, you know, just like the cooking and eating and moving in a way that feels good and honors your body and your energy. And that is just a beautiful place to be. And Haley, I didn't ask you if you're comfortable sharing. How old are you now? Because I know, so you're diagnosed at oh, yeah. 80. And then how old are you, are you now? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm 29. I think I forgot to mention that, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm 29
0: too. <laughs> Look at that. Right. <laughs> That's funny. When's, When's your, your
1: birthday? birthday? Uh, February 26. Okay, nice. So you yeah. just have a birthday. All right. Yeah, cool. yep. so recently 29, almost 30, which is kind of crazy. It's kind of interesting to think that I've been diabetic. Um, you know, the majority of the time I've been alive, it's like, whoa. (laughs) But yeah, I haven't got to that that like point yet. But yeah,
0: I always like love to know like what that's like. Um yeah, I've I'm 29. I've had diabetes for six years. So I still feel like in the baby stages of (laughs) of the time period. But it is it is interesting. Sometimes I think about like wow, one day I'm gonna be, you know, maybe like 75. With diabetes, still, like it's yep. just like you know, it's just like an interesting thing to think about. Um, I try not to get in my head too much about it, but it's right. just you know, interesting to think about, like, and you know, even you with like technology, right? Like, you've seen things transform into like who knew that this was going to be possible, right? Like, we pretty much oh, have yeah. these, like artificial pancreases with our pumps and like yep. closed loop systems and all these things that, like, whoa, you know, like, I'm sure that's been a huge shift for you too. Cause for me, I jumped in right when all this technology was available. So for me, it was like, that's all I've really known, you know, and Mm -hmm. for you, it's, you've been in a place where you started out one way and then technology is changing. Everything's changing in the way that you're approaching your diabetes.
1: Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, today, um, you know, for parents that have kids with diabetes, I think it can be, you know, helpful in a way with the kind of technology we have with like the CGMs. And I, I think, you know, it can relieve a lot of that anxiety. Cause I know, you know, my parents told me they had a lot, you know, where I'd be in school and they wouldn't really know how my blood sugars are doing, or if there was like a substitute nurse or, you know, things like that. So I think, you know, it's definitely cool to like, have, have that. I think it comes with its ups and downs, obviously. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm
0: like hearing alerts like all day. <laughs>
1: Yep. No, exactly. I don't know if you guys can hear mine has been beeping at me (laughs) because I ate right before I started and like, didn't move enough. So (laughs) yeah. Right.
0: I know. It's like we sit down and like, oh yeah. Um, so, okay. What would you say like for anyone that may be like right now in the experience of disordered eating or a parent of someone or a brother or sister. Like, what are warning signs, would you say, like, for someone to look out for? Just, like, if you could, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. I would say um, definitely if people, um, if you can see that they're, like, ashamed of, like, the food they're eating, um, you know, or if they, like, kind of disappear to eat or they, like, cover their face, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times, like, eating disorders will, like, kind of come with, like, shame in that way or if you see kind of that, like, secretive whatever. Cause you know, I'd go into the bathroom and I'd lock the door and I'd be gone. Cause I'd be trying to make myself throw up, you know? So it's things like that. Or if you notice, um, just like very regimented, like eating habits or like, or, you know, it doesn't really make sense. You know, like they're not eating, they're not eating. And then all of a sudden they're eating a bunch or you find food hoarded or a lot of like negative self-talk, um, you know, things like that. Cause for me, it was like, I'd have all these wrappers under my bed. Right. Like I'd have like trash bags that I would like try to hide that I'd throw up in. Like I did stuff like, you know, um, I would, yeah, hide in bathrooms. I would cover my face, you know, so all that stuff. Um, I got very quiet too. I didn't speak to people a lot or like reach for support. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say like, those were at least like for me, some of like the big indicators,
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's good for us to know. And just for like parents and just like for ourselves, like, am I doing these things? Right. And just getting curious, like maybe I am starting to do these things and is there someone I can talk to or, you know, just so that like people don't feel alone in that experience because yeah, that's a lot to go through day to day. And then like having to feel like you have to hide like yourself and the way you do just every day to day things. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, No. And
1: I think, um, you know, if obviously it was hard for my parents to like identify it until um you know they would find those things or like it all just kind of came out. but I think it would have been you know helpful, like you were saying if somebody had just reached out to me like, "Hey, like are you okay?" or like I noticed this is happening like why And you know, for me, my parents again did the best they could, but they were just mad that I was eating the snack, so they put locks on the cabinets and like things like that, you know, which just like perpetuated that for me. And I'm like, okay, now I have to get the food somewhere else, you know, and it, it wasn't really getting the support. It was just like being denied more things, if you know what I mean. Um, so it's, it's it can be tough to navigate. Like I can't even imagine as a parent, <laughs> you know, um, but. Wow.
0: Yeah. And how is that now with your parents like have you guys like talked about it is that like open conversation just about like how that experience was or is it just like you just kind of talk about where you're at now in the journey
1: Yeah I mean I'm pretty I'm very open with them about it now I told them like everything that I did and hid and um there was actually a funny story about <laughs> it that we joke about a lot is um my sister my younger one um she was in the girl scouts so she had like this big girl scout cookie order and like, I'm not going it was huge, like, big tubs worth. And I ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go door to door to every person and apologize for eating their cookies. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. You're
0: like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. So it's
1: kind of making light of it, but.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's nice that you guys can like laugh about it now and like go back yeah. to it, you know? yeah you're like hey this was actually a dark spot but we can that you know I get it yeah but I so think, your parents uh, made you go to every house yeah <laughs>
1: oh my gosh yep. <laughs> oh,
0: man you were just like thrown in the wolves you have like overcame so many things I'm like <laughs> right there too that's difficult <laughs> that's like going well, to you that... that... where you're like all right this is awkward I have to say it
1: oh yep. my gosh <laughs> wow <laughs> Yeah. And I think um, I'm trying to think of like other things that I would say for as far as um, just like know, anything,
0: anything that you want to share. Like, yeah, feel free. Like, this is your time to mm-hmm. yeah, share your voice, share your story, anything.
1: So I think um, I don't know, I guess for any newly um, diagnosed like diabetics when they're younger and they have like the parents doing like a lot of the care at the beginning, um, I think again, what would be really beneficial is to like start out in a support group or like a community and stuff like that. And for the parents to kind of be involved too, like if the child allows it. But I think another thing is to really get the child to be like introspective or to think about their feelings. Um, Cause I think that was one thing that I was lacking is we were all just so, you know, like, okay, gotta do this. Gotta do that. Gotta do that. And nobody really like asked me much about like how I was doing or like how did I feel with diabetes and I would always be like I'm fine I'm fine but if somebody asked me to like draw a picture of your diabetes or like draw a picture of how you feel like you're high right and like draw me a picture and like to kind of pull those things out like I guarantee you like it would have been like an angry fit you know what I mean yeah or something like that so it's like a creative He's all black <laughs> yeah
0: you know no but yeah yeah. that's and that's that's a good tip in itself of just like how can we have these conversations in a way that actually feel comfortable for the person that's living the experience and I think that's a good example you know not everyone learns not everyone shares in the same way right like for you you found writing really helps maybe not speaking in the beginning was comfortable but being able to write allowed you to release so yeah, for people out there, like, really trying out different things, like, drawing, painting, you know, maybe your creativity, or, you know, I sometimes tell, or I've told parents in the past, like, you know, if it's, like, a teenager, like, maybe they don't want to talk, so have them text you, like, what's going on, or, like, what you're feeling, you know, like, being able to kind of meet them where they're at in, like, their time, you know, and that's great, I think, yeah. I think I could use the coloring one too. I'm like, I like that <laughs> I right? all yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good to, um, just see different avenues and like what really does feel good. Um, and that can change, right? Like writing can feel good one time and not being hard on yourself. If it doesn't feel good the next day, you might have to just try something new and yeah, be able exactly. to yeah, be open to yeah, different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to share about your journey? I'm like, I I want to go deeper in so many different areas, but I
1: don't want to take your whole day. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of like anything. Do you have any other questions you can think Um, Think of off the top of your head? (laughs) I was going
0: to ask you, I always like to just ask, like, you know, you've been a diabetic for, you know, so many years now, like, is there any advice that you would give or like words of wisdom or maybe like a mantra that you live by to get by or like is there anything that you want to share because you know a lot of the people in our community you know with honestly anyone right they can be coming in as just diagnosed yesterday have had diabetes for 30 years or 30 plus years right um but I think we're always learning and being able to just like share a little like nugget of information or wisdom can yeah. be helpful on the journey.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think as far as like my, like diabetes mantra for myself that shifted a lot, um, I wrote it on a whiteboard every single day for, I don't even know how long, um, I'm in control of my diabetes. My diabetes does not control me because I felt so controlled by it. So kind of again, shifting that narrative and just being like, I have the control, like, um, So I think that's super important is to just, again, just being very mindful with yourself in that way. And I think just also like, again, being compassionate with yourself and that knowing that diabetes isn't always perfect and like, you might have a super awesome month and then you get sick one day and like, you know, or like your blood sugars are high. And, um, I know last, last weekend, right. My blood sugars have been so good and. I'm not sure what happened in my body, whether it was hormones or stress, I wasn't aware of or inflammation in my body, but I went up to like 300 and I couldn't get it down the whole day. Right. And I think it's again, just being introspective and kind of looking into it and just understanding like, it's not always going to be perfect. And -hmm. like, that's okay because it is diabetes and it is a disease. So you can't, you know, you can't it can't be a hundred percent perfect, but like nobody's perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just going with the flow and like always, always, always being compassionate with yourself. Because if you're not like, you know, it's going to make your blood sugars even crazier. You're going to have that negative mantra in your head and it's going to make things worse. Right. Because it's just like, you tell yourself that you can't control your diabetes and diabetes ruins your life and doesn't let you do anything. And life sucks. Then like, you're not going to wake up the next day, like motivated to you know, just try to take everything like head on and putting all of like your work and energy into it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's so powerful. And I love that you were writing that mantra that, I mean, yeah, just anything that works. I'm like just so proud of you for finding all of these (laughs) like different strategies, like on your own. I think that's, that's huge. I mean, being able to hone in on that and just like know what really like worked for you is so powerful. And I think that's just part of like the skill set that we get right over time yeah. because it's like a all-consuming diagnosis. It's every day, it's every minute. There's a lot of thoughts coming in and out. so being able to just how do I flow with instead of mm-hmm. like fight against right? Because it's so yeah. easy to go against our body or think it's going against us versus like how do we flow with it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like remind yeah, I love that you're just reminding everyone like hey, those days happen like you're gonna have a 300. it's not the end of the world you're still the same beautiful, amazing, powerful person that you were two minutes before that, right? Like you're the same person, but also, yeah. And for everyone, just reminder, yeah, there's so many factors going on, right? There's the stress, there's the hormones, our hydration, like what we ate, how we're moving. There's so many different pieces, our sleep that go into that. So just being open and aware of it, I think is just like the first part, right? Just being aware that it isn't just one thing and that's okay. And life is that way. (laughs) Everything's- just moving and evolving and shifting all at once.
1: <laughs> right. We're all amazing yep. for yeah. dealing with diabetes because it's not easy. Yes. So, yes.
0: Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, awesome. Is there any last words you want to share? Anything else you want to say? We're so grateful. And I'm just so proud of you, honestly, for being able to share and like be vulnerable to be open to share these parts of you, because Um, It's not easy to do that. And, you know, these are some heavy situations that you have navigated, overcome, have been challenged with, and I'm just so proud of you. And you're such a beautiful, amazing person. And I'm just like honored that we have had you in this space. And I hope that, you know, people really feel moved by just listening to this. And I'm sure it's going to help them in their journey in some way, right? If we're not experiencing yeah. something heavy now, it might be next week. So it's good to just exactly. like, yeah, yeah, take it all in and absorb it. And yeah, keep going, phone the light.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, and it's, it's something I've always wanted to do is just to kind of speak up because I've always been so quiet about my diagnosis and everything I went through. You know, I didn't tell anybody about my eating disorder until it was like, wow, she definitely has one, you know what I mean? (laughs) So it just feels good to like, kind of make that decision to be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to talk about it and be vulnerable. And, you know, I think anyone that does that, or like, you know, it gets you out of your comfort zone and chances are you're like helping somebody else, right. Or somebody else that has a similar experience. So yeah, I think for anyone like that's out there dealing with that, I just, you know, like, I never thought I'd be where I am today. Like, if you told me that I'd be 100 pounds lighter, like happier than ever, A1C is great, like I'd be like, okay, <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's so possible. And the world is your oyster, <laughs> you Yay. know? So absolutely.
0: Beautiful. And so, has anyone ever read? Well, I'm sure people are, might reach out to you after this. Like, are you comfortable with that? If people yeah. might reach out to you? Okay. I was <laughs> like, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be moved and, I think you shared such good strategies on, you know, how to keep continuing forward and feeling good and loving yourself. And yeah, I'm, I'm just so proud of you.
1: (laughs) you. Same to you, you know, none of it's easy. And yeah, if anyone has any questions or like wants to talk to me, like I'm literally an open book, you can ask me anything and I'll tell you, (laughs) So I'm happy to help with whatever. So.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for taking some of your day to share with us and be with us. It was so nice to meet you virtually in person. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> one day we'll meet live. Um, I love that. yeah. And you know, we are so happy to have you in our space and in the community. And if you need anything, we're also here. So thanks for, for jumping on and joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks everybody. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much, Haley. We'll see you soon. Bye.